0: Here it
1: is! From deep inside your audio device of choice.
0: I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate. We must have lunch real soon Your luggage is checked through We've got inflation licked I'll get right back to you It's just a standard form Tomorrow without fail Pleased to meet you, thanks a lot Your check is in the mail Marooned, marooned, marooned In a blizzard of lies Marooned, marooned, marooned In a blizzard of lies Your toes and knees Aren't all you'll freeze When you're in it up to your thighs Looks like snow, but you never know when you're marooned in a blizzard of lies. <laughs> you may have won a prize, won't wrinkle, shrink or peel. Your secret's safe with me. This is a real good deal. It's finger-licking good. Strictly by the book. What's fair is fair, I'll be right there I am not a crook Marooned, marooned, marooned In a blizzard of lies Marooned, marooned, marooned In a blizzard of lies Better watch your step When your old dog, chef Can't even look you in the eyes You're cold and lost You're double-crossed when you're marooned in a blizzard of lies We'll send someone right out, now this won't hurt a bit He's in a meeting now, the coat's a perfect fit Strictly fresh today, serve us with a smile I love you, darling, till I die, we'll keep your name on file Maroon, 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 in a blizzard of lies Maroon, 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 in a blizzard of lies Walk on, walk on, with hope in your heart, and you're in for a big surprise, when you're marooned, 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 in a blizzard of lies, a blizzard of lies.
1: From New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you, and myself as a matter of fact to this edition of the show. And it, you know, I'm kind of uh, reassured; things have gone back to normal so quickly, and we're surrounded by lies again. Here's here's a good one. Well, I'll I'll preface it because um, I discovered early on that the truth has a weird way of sort of just being blurted out in the weirdest possible circumstances. As many of you, well, as a few of you know, I cut my teeth making fun of uh, another president, Richard Nixon. And, you know, like them all, he, he told his share of whoppers, and I'm not talking about Berge, um But he was uh, given to say during the whole Watergate thing, Uh, that he was concentrating on more important things, you know, the future of peace in the Middle East. And um, it was a day, he was in uh, Washington state, and um, he had already delivered himself of uh, one of the regular, oh, I'm not wallowing in Watergate statements. And then he's up uh, on on the stage, flanked by the governor of Washington, And he said at one point, uh, as I was saying to uh, Governor uh, Evans, something like that happened uh, just moments ago as we're preparing for this broadcast. Another one of the um, briefings. (laughs) Yeah, he deserves laughter too now. By the president's physician, Sean Conley. There's your tip-off right there. Conley, I say. And uh, he's explaining why the uh, first briefing he gave on Saturday was found uh, somewhat deficient in the truth department by a lot of observers. Quote, I didn't want to give any information that might steer the course of illness in another direction. And in doing so, you know, came off that we're trying to hide something which wasn't necessarily true. See, that necessarily just snuck in there. He went all Porgy and Bess on our hiney at the last minute. wasn't ne- Wasn't necessarily true. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Now, you may may be wondering just about now how Sean Conley got the job of being the presidential physician. This happened oh, four years ago, something like that. And uh, the explanation is pretty easy. Dr. Oz's taping schedule wouldn't allow him to take the job, and Dr. Pinsky price was too high and now
2: I just want to say one word to you just one word yes sir are you listening yes I am microplastics think about it will you think about that? yes I will enough said
1: what do microplastics have to do with elephants not elephants Gerald elephants dozens of the um, amazing creatures have begun foraging for food at a dump nestled in a Sri Lankan jungle. The uh, dump encroached on their habitat. See, if I were an elephant, I'd have called my lawyer, but... Oh, they don't have... Photographs captured in the eastern Ampara district show the wild herd, which numbers only almost 40, searching through mounds of plastic bags which have since been discovered undigested in their leavings. This is from LankaWeb.com. as in Sri Lanka. See how they did that? Microplastics and non-digestive polyethylene were also found in the elephant's stomachs during post-mortem examinations. Such waste poses a serious threat to the health of the herd, not to mention to the individual elephants. It's thought the elephants gained access to the dump through a broken, a broken fence, although, according to photographer, the garbage is now strewn throughout the surrounding forest. Johnny Garbage Seed has been at work, apparently. I said, no, I don't need to repeat that. He described the phenomenon as a destructive and unhealthy habit and warned that no action had been taken to prevent the elephants entering the area in search of food. The elephants are now so accustomed to feeding in the area they've begun crossing into neighboring villages and paddy fields adding to existing tensions between them and the locals. You know how that ends up. The elephants shoot the locals. For elephants, ingesting plastic can have devastating consequences. Microplastics can block digestive tracts, alter feeding behavior, and diminish the urge to eat. Well, why would you want to eat when you... Did you notice this tastes like plastic? I'm not... Each of these uh, factors can impact on the herd's ability to reproduce and then damage population numbers like we have so many elephants to spare. With their stomachs filled with plastic bags, herds often die of, guess what, starvation. Ain't that ironic? Almost like the president getting the... Th- in 2019, Sri Lanka saw the highest number of elephant deaths since records began in 1948, according to environmental activists. Not nearly as enough plastic in 1948. We fixed that with just one word
2: microplastics.
1: Now let's turn, shall we, metaphorically. I'm not turning at all. I'm sitting just stock still. But we turn to the bees. And not just the bees. New research has identified a mechanism by which low levels of insecticides, such as neonicotinoids, such as imidacloprid I said imidacloprid. Thank you. Could harm the nervous, metabolic, and immune systems of insects, including those that aren't pests such as our leading pollinators, the bees. A study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, led by researchers at the University of Melbourne and Baylor College of Medicine, shows that low doses of imidacloprid trigger neurodegeneration, that's where, like, the nervous system dies or something, and disrupt vital body-wide functions, like your energy production, your vision, your movement, and the immune system. In the vinegar fly... You know of the vinegar fly. I didn't. With insect populations declining around the world and intense use of insecticides suspected to play a role, the findings provide important evidence that even small doses of insecticides reduce the capacity of insects to, you know, survive. Even those that aren't pests. Quote, our research was conducted on one insecticide, but there's evidence that other insecticides cause oxidative stress. So they may have similar impacts. Says, uh, Researcher from the University of Melbourne. Our findings emphasize the importance of better understanding the mechanisms of action of insecticides, in particular, unbeneficial insects. Without further research, we don't know if other ex- in- insecticides sorry, are any safer. And it's not just neonics. A previously banned insecticide, which was approved for agricultural use just last year here in the good old United States, is harmful for bees and other beneficial insects. And a second pesticide in widespread use also harms these insects, according to a new analysis from researchers at the University of Texas. They have a university in Texas. Isn't that sweet? As the agricultural industry turns to new types of pesticides to protect crops, the biologists behind the recent large-scale meta-analysis, it's a full meta-analysis, warn that two of these, oh my goodness, one sold under the brand name Sivanto and the recently proved pesticides sold under the name Transform, have harmful effects similar to the Neonics which, of course, were recently banned in the European Union, and Canada. I think of Canada as an honorary member of the European Union, really. Neonicotinoid pesticides have been shown to be detrimental to honeybees and other nice insects. The uh, researchers re- reviewed 19 studies from the past five years on the two insecticides. It appears in the journal Proceedings of the Royal Society Bee, which is almost as good as the you know the rest of that. The research found that exposure to both of these insecticides at field realistic levels like what they would experience in the field, significantly increased insect mortality and impaired insect health, said one of the researchers. I think, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a big new range of job openings for a lot of our brothers and sisters coming very soon. Uh, It's a It's going to be the uh, availability of jobs pollinating plants, because I think we're going to have to do it. And now... Oh, I've heard of a hard downbeat, but that's ridiculous. This is news of the godly. Hundreds of sexual abuse victims who received meager sums of money from the Catholic Church in exchange for their silence, now could seek larger compensation payouts, because a judge overturned one survivor's settlement with the church. This is this is happening down Australia Way, and I'll continue with it right now. The man, former, any guesses? Altar boy. Thank you. Uh, was paid thirty-two thousand five hundred dollars about uh, 14 years, no, about 24 years ago by the church, after he was repeatedly sexually abused by uh, a priest, Daniel Horrigan. Uh, This week, the Supreme Court in Australia overturned the deed of release in a landmark ruling, that means the deal, removing the legal barriers for the uh, victim to sue the Catholic Church for damages. Before the whole thing goes bankrupt, I would think. The judge described the abuse as, quote, horrendous, and said the evidence supported a, quote, significant assessment of damages for the victim. The settlement sum represents very modest and heavily discounted compensation for the loss and damage suffered by the plaintiff as a consequence of the abuse, said the judge. Last year, the uh, state government, which state would that? Oh, Brisbane, but that would be (laughs) Brisbane. That would be Queensland. Is that right? I think it is. The uh, state government passed a law allowing courts to set aside a past deed of release or court judgment refer- relating to child abuse. It's estimated more than 500 victims signed similar uh, documents, often for small financial payments, under the Catholic Church's controversial Melbourne response. <laughs> that's a- I think the city should sue. Former Melbourne Archbishop George Pell, that's why it's called that, he was convicted in 2018 of sexually abusing two choir boys in the 90s he was the architect of the melbourne response program he cardinal bell is he still a cardinal was released from prison in april after his conviction was overturned following a successful appeal to the high court the victim said in a statement he had no choice about taking the deal offered by the church the art of the take the deal I had to accept what seemed like a terrible settlement. The church had all the power. I had none. It really wasn't a legal claim. It was more like asking for charity. I had to take what was offered, he said. Charity. Well, that's an odd concept to bring up with a Christian church, isn't it? News of the godly, ladies and gentlemen. It's a copyrighted feature, this broadcast. And now... After that appropriate pause, news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole III. Deadline Rome. One of my favorite deadlines, by the way. Italy's team, Olympic team, risks the humiliation of being placed on probation for the Tokyo Games. Why? Well, that's the threat if the country's, if Italy's sports minister doesn't back down. It's the middle of a two-year-long dispute that amounts to government interference, according to the head of the International Olympic Committee, Thomas Bach. In an extraordinary step designed to put pressure on Vincenzo Spadafora, Italy's sports minister, Bach suggested the alleged interference could, under extreme circumstances, result in the country being stripped of hosting rights for the 2026 Winter Olympics in Milan and Cortina. Wow. Hit me again, please. Bach has taken issue with the Italian government's creation of a new organization, Sport e Salute, that would be sport and health, that was created at the start of last year to run the country's sports finances. They were previously controlled by an arm of the Italian Olympic Committee. CONI, CONI, not the Supreme. We are very concerned about the situation of CONI and the functioning of CONI, and these concerns are growing because the IOC executive board had to address these questions, said Bach. The proposed new law would strengthen Spadafora's power even further, according to CONI. We had to write a letter to the Minister of Sport expressing these serious concerns, said Bach. With this law, Coney is not compliant with the Olympic Charter. Coney says funding issues have negatively affected Italian athletes' preparations for the Tokyo Games, which are, of course, going to be held. Coney has traditionally run all sports in Italy, deciding how to divide up millions of dollars of state funding to each of the country's sports federations. This would suggest it's all about money, wouldn't it? That's confusing to me. Now, Sporte Salute handles that responsibility. $325 million handed out for 2020. Spadafra says he finds it hard to believe Bach had actually read the proposed law. And if for Bach the autonomy of the Olympic Committee in Belarus is not up for discussion, then don't even bother with Italy, Spadafra added. The IOC typically threatens suspension when calling out government interference in the independent management of sports in order to make them back down. However, the IOC often also cites its refusal to get involved in domestic politics when national sports bodies are run by government officials. And that's what's happening in Belarus. Possible punishments could include preventing Italian athletes from wearing their national team uniform in Tokyo and from hearing their national anthem being played. Ouch and double ouch. It hurts so good. Countries whose national Olympic bodies have been suspended for recent Olympics include Russia for the doping thing and Kuwait in Rio for political interference. Slapping those wrists till they sting, the Olympics—it's a movement, and we all need one every day. And uh, now we'll have some news of the atom, ladies and gentlemen. It's clean, cheap, too clean, cheap to steal. Far from the atom just this week the world nuclear industry status report everybody's concerned about their status aren't they summed up the vir- uh, sorry the uh, state of the global nuclear industry the report shows the sector continues to stagnate while renewables are doing great just 2.4 gigawatts of new nuclear generation capacity came online last year compared to 98 gigawatts of solar the world's operational nuclear power capacity declined by 2.1% at the end of June, according to PV magazine. The report shows nuclear is now the most expensive form of power generation in the world, with the exception of gas peaking plants, which I guess are gas plants that have uh, those little windows where you can look in and see. Uh, no, those are uh, available only for peak Demand periods of time. The uh, cost of energy of nuclear production is now hundred fifty five dollars per megawatt hour, according to oilprice dot com, as compared to forty nine dollars per megawatt hour for solar and forty one dollars for wind. Nuclear has increased since the last report. Solar and wind have both decreased in cost. What is remarkable about these trends? Is that they've been made public at all? No, is that the costs of renewables continue to fall due to incremental manufacturing and installation improvements, while nuclear, despite over half a century of industrial experience, continues to see costs rising. That's according to the report by the World Nuclear Industry thing. <laughs> it's the status report by the World Nuclear Industry thing. The impact of the cost difference is obvious. Nuclear, one might offer as a judgment... May have become obsolete. The cost difference is having a huge impact in new generation capacity deployment. Just 2.4 gigawatts of new nuclear plants installed last year compared to 98 of solar. And where are you hiding behind the staple? 59 gigawatts of wind, according to the, the magazine. Nuclear energy has become irrelevant in the electricity generating technology market, said the coordinator for the World. Nuclear Industry industry Status Report. Michael Schneider. You wouldn't believe how he spells Michael, though. At the same time, COVID-19 puts additional stress on the sector, he says. For no reason I can imagine, but there it is. Co-author Anthony Frugati, Frugati. Further elaborated, in economic terms, renewables continue to pull away from nuclear power. Over the past decade, the cost estimates for utility-scale solar dropped by 89 percent, wind by 70 percent, and nuclear increased by 26 (laughs) percent. And U.S. federal prosecutors, uh, toward the end of last month, announced a settlement involving the Hanford Nuclear Reservation. That's a... that facility near Richland, Washington, that made uh, all those plutonium things. And uh, we'll have more about that. We'll get back to uh, news of the atom. But uh, first I have to share with you, I have to, I choose to share with you some news of smart houses. See, I didn't know that this was going to happen uh, until the last 72, no, not 72 hours, 48 hours. Well, three, three days ago, but now it's, now it's four days. Samsung brags to advertisers that first screen ads, those are the ads that are seen by all users of its smart TVs when they turn the set on, are 100% viewable, audience targeted, and seen 400 times per TV per month. Some users aren't happy, according to the Register of the British Tech Journal. Dear Samsung, why are you showing ads on my smart TV without my consent? Says one. That's that's a good question. I didn't agree to this in the primary settings, but I keep on getting this. Why? And he's not not, uh, happy about it, in addition to everything else. He's not just querulous. He is definitely not happy. Well... As quoted by TV site Flat Panels HD, visit to Samsung's site pitching to advertisers is eye-opening. It's not just that the ads appear, but the company continually profiles its customers using a technology called automatic content recognition, which works by detecting what kind of content you're watching. Your TV is watching you. Samsung's Tom Fosetta, VP Ad Sales and Operations in the U.S., said in an interview, our platform is built on the largest source of TV data for more than 50 million smart TVs, and we've amassed over 60% of the U.S. ACR footprint. ACR data is not sold, rented, or distributed. it's just so It's just used exclusively by Samsung to target advertising, that's all. The first screen ad unit was re- introduced five years ago. And the company has since added video, different types of target audience engagement, different ways to execute in terms of tactics like audience takeovers or roadblocks. Roadblock is when 100% ownership of first screen ad impressions across all Samsung TVs. In general, the banner cannot be deactivated in the smart hub, according to Samsung. Advertising doesn't stop there since Samsung also offers TV Plus, a free ad-supported TV service. Even viewers who have chosen to watch only ad-free content don't escape. 30% of streamers spent all of their streaming time in non-ad-supported apps. This, however, does not mean the lost 30 are unreachable, says Samsung in a paper pitching its stuff. Samsung's solution is not only the first screen ads, but also that data can reveal which audiences in a given household have seen your brand. Through partnerships with the right tech stack to target and serve ads across all connected screens, advertisers who can't reach an audience on the big screen can reach them on the other devices they're using. Why they should merge with Facebook if they haven't already. Samsung claims with the right tech stack, a target stubbornly refusing to watch an ad on the big screen can be reached maybe on their smartphone. This is this is what happens, ladies and gentlemen, when you buy a smart TV that won't allow you to... Uh, well, you could disconnect it from the Internet, and then you've got a dumb TV, and you've paid extra for nothing. Is the income from advertising subsidizing the price of these TVs? Register doesn't know the answer to that. Smart plugs also from the register, could set your house on fire. I said fire, and let uh, hawkers gaze upon your private data, according to the consumer champion company in Britain, Which, which bought 10 smart plugs available from online retailers and marketplaces. They are items plugged into wall-fitted electrical receptacles that convey electricity to an appliance. They interact with things like Amazon, and Google Nest, and uh, so you can yell at your always-on audio surveillance device to turn a desk lamp off. Many in the modern world find the convenience outweighs security concerns. Working with a, cons- a security consultancy, the researchers from the Consumer Magazine, which found 13 vulnerabilities among nine of the plugs, including three rated as high-impact, well, that's like uh, if you need oxygen, and a further three is critical, That's like if you need remdesivir, just to put it in topical context. Amazon is said to have taken one smart plug off sale while pending an investigation, which urges owners to unplug them immediately. We don't know about this country. Several of the products tested had a critical vulnerability that could allow malicious actors... Or just members of the guild to steal the local Wi-Fi network password and use that hack and only the plugs and any connected to not to hack not only the plugs but any connected smart hub but also any other connected products such as thermostat camera or potentially even a laptop. In another one, an attacker could seize total control of the plug and of the power going to the connected device. That's reassuring. Just stealing your power. And, finally, a software glitch broadcast erroneous doorbell chimes to countless Ring users this week. Software issues prevented owners from viewing archived footage or receiving push notifications. Customers in markets, including the U.K. and U.S., were believed to be affected. Are the Ring doorbells being hacked? Mine are going off nonstop, tweeted one confused customer. Ring's Europe Head of Communications confirmed the problem, said it's since been fixed. Our processing infrastructure was running behind, which caused some delays in receiving in-app notifications and chime, motion, and ding notifications. However, this has been resolved. They took the dong out of the ding. Ac- what the? According to Ring's status page, no user data was lost. A fixed was applied by late evening. It started apparently in the morning and drove a lot of dogs crazy. The company warned that users may encounter delayed chimes. <laughs> That's good if there's somebody at the door. Oh, you were there two hours ago. I And notifications while the back end catches up. Always a problem when the back end hasn't caught up. Ring also urged customers to check the battery levels on levels on their devices since the outage may have caused a higher than usual power drain. That's right, the inability of the device to function may have used more power. Irony, ladies and gentlemen, is not dead.
3: Life is dull. It's nothing but one big lull Then presto you do a skull And find that you're reeling She sighs and you're feeling Like a toy on a string And your heart goes ring-a-ding-ding 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 How could that funny face That seemed to be commonplace Project you right into space Without any warning Don't know if it's morning Nighttime, winter, or spring What's the difference? Ring-a-ding-ding, ring-a-ding-ding Ring-a-ding-ding She takes your hand This captivating creature And like it's planned You're in the phone book Looking for the nearest preacher, life is swell, you're off to that small hotel, and somewhere a village bell will sound in the steeple, announcing to people, love's the loveliest thing, and the bell goes ring-a-ding-ding, ring-a-ding-ding. grabs your hand this captivating creature and like it's planned you're in the phone book hunting for the nearest preacher, life is swell, you're off to that small hotel and somewhere a village bell will sound in a steeple announcing the people love's the loveliest thing and the bell goes ring-a-ding-ding, ring-a-ding-ding, ring-a-ding-ding. Ring-a-ding-ding, ring-a-ding-ding. Ring-a-ding-ding, ring-a-ding-ding,
1: ring-a-ding-ding. This is Le Show, and now uh, back to uh, News of the Atom. U.S. federal prosecutors announced a settlement involving the Hanford Nuclear Reservation. I mentioned that. Under the terms of the settlement, Bechtel, Acom energy and construction now part of amentum and their subsidiary waste treatment completion company have together agreed to pay the us nearly 58 million dollars for improperly billing the federal government for thousands of hours of work that were never performed this was just cleanup at a radiation saturated site where we used to make a bombs for the for the war <laughs> the uh Two companies had for years been building a nuclear waste treatment plant. See, it's so easy to get rid of this waste. All you have to do is hire these guys uh, to clean up the waste stored at the heavily contaminated site. It's stunning that for nearly a decade, Bechtel and Acom chose to line their corporate pockets by diverting important taxpayer funds from this critically essential effort, said the U.S. attorney, assistant U.S. attorney in a press release. Both companies denied any liability in regard to further legal actions. As part of the agreement. Don't sue us again, please, mister. The uh, case was precipitated by four whistleblowers. Well, let's fire them. In late 2016, who revealed time card fraud. (laughs) We've come that far, ladies and gentlemen, in which the companies billed the Department of Energy for work that was never completed. They uh, admitted to overcharging the DOE for unreasonable and unallowable idle time by craft workers. Company executives admitted they continued to overbuild the Department of Energy even after they knew they were under investigation for improper billing. That's the kind of determination we need in this country, ladies and gentlemen. Keep on, keep on doing. Just keep on doing. Germany has launched a new search for a site to store its most radioactive nuclear waste because it's so easy to do. Eh, you'd put it anywhere. You don't. Uh, the. Uh, Disputed site at a former salt mine, was earmarked decades ago, has long been a focus of protests, so um, they're kissing that one goodbye. Germany's Waste Management Organization identified 90 areas covering 54% of the country's surface surface areas, potentially geologically suited for a nuclear storage site. It's uh, kicked off what uh, the AP says will be a politically fraught process. Final decision slated for, oh, just about 2031, the aim is to start using the selected site in 2050. You say we don't do long-term thinking in this world anymore? Following the Fouck disaster, Germany decided to phase out its own nuclear power generation. The question of where to put the waste has remained. Unresolved, unlike here where we're put Oh, ladies and gentlemen, big week for uh, Pre- <laughs> President Trump. First, the New York Times... Story revealing that uh, for two years he paid a total of $750 per year in federal income taxes. Then the debate, the first of three scheduled presidential debates on Tuesday night, which most people regarded as um, generally unwatchable because of the more than 100 instances in which President, (laughs) President Trump interrupted either the moderator, Chris Wallace, or Joe Biden. And, of course, at the end of the week, the president's rapid whisking off to a hospital for uh, treatment for his COVID virus, which was either very insignificant or pretty serious. The uh, White House reassured us that uh, even at Walter Reed Army Hospital, he's still continuing to do his work.
2: This week, for the first time, push comes to shove and stays there. And for the businessman turned chief executive, the words, I can't breathe, suddenly aren't just somebody else's slogan. Hope. Yes, Mr. President, how are you feeling? You see my doctor's press conference? He says I feel great, right? Right. I'm doing okay myself. Unless his computer is lying, you look great. (laughs) What is that? New mascara? Uh, No, I've I've been crying a little bit. Well, take it from me, it's working for you. Listen, Hope, I know you're probably uh, recouping, but uh, we got a little problem here. I know, sir, but you're at the best place to deal with it. You're being cared for by really the best people. (coughs) Not that problem. Of course, I got great doctors, some swell nurses, too, who if I could get up and move, they'd be in real trouble. But, But, Hope... Yeah, we got way too many people grandstanding right now. Believe me. Which people, sir? Chris Christie, for one. Mm-hmm. I saw a statement on ABC that he's tested positive. For- so he tested positive for whatever. Who cares what Chris Christie has besides a weight problem the size of New Jersey? Well, I guess it's uh, newsworthy because uh, he had helped you with your debate prep. I wouldn't be bragging about that, would you? I mean, he's the guy who kept saying, I'd be more aggressive if I were you, sir. Not such a debate genius. Okay, granted, sir, but once he's gone public... You understand that nobody's talking about Trump's taxes right now, right? Sure. It's like a miracle. Although the Times says there will be more stories. Sure there will. That's what Antifa wants. Mm -hmm. Look, Hope, it's Christie, then it's one senator here, another senator there. We just got to put a cork in all this I got negative, I got positive stuff. And you're the person I trust to do that task, believe me. Give me a second. I gotta lie down. Hmm. Sorry, I am lying down. So, what do you think, Hopi? Mr. President, uh, normally I'd jump at the task, but I'm not sure I know how. Same to... way we've kept people in the White House from walking around looking like bad guys in a cowboy movie with the masking. <laughs> well, we certainly didn't issue any kind of instruction or memo that could be leaked out. Right? People just somehow got the idea that their future prospects wouldn't be shiny bright if the boss couldn't see their lips moving. You know how to spread the word that positive, negative, whatever, that's a private matter between them and their doctor and a state lawyer? Well, I I could make a few calls from bed, but... You know, Hope, I would hate for my people, and you know how much they love Trump. They shouldn't start thinking that I got this infection from you, even though maybe, who knows, right? I'll make a few calls from bad. That's my hope. Tony. Nice to hear from you, sir. Been a while. Yeah. Yeah, you've been busy getting interviewed on uh, all the shows nobody watches. <laughs> Just trying to keep my Zoom skills ready for the big show, sir. You know, I'm looking at the reports from Walter Reed Who's the- showing you those? They're good, right? Rounding the curve? That's what so many people are telling me. Well, that's uh, that's one way of putting it, sir. But as an infectious disease official, I guess uh, they think I'd be interested in the world's most famous case of infectious disease. Okay. That makes sense. I hope that uh, what I'm reading is just a matter of uh, putting the best face on things. Better than putting a mask on them, right? (laughs) So look, Tony... Yeah. I know you and my newest task force member, Dr. Atlas, don't, uh, see eye to eye on some things. Mr. President, he's a neuroradiologist. That's a good thing, right? It's like he sees things in the brain through radio. Sir, this may sound old-fashioned or like professional jealousy or something, but to me, a task force on a pandemic should be... I know. You told me this like a million times, filled with people in that business. This is like the climate scientist saying you shouldn't listen to other breeds of scientists, right? That's a very good comparison, sir. Thanks. I got a million of them. Look, Tony, what's the name of the administration you work for? I work for the people of the United States, sir. And who elected me? I'll take that as a yes. I, so look, Tony, people are getting confused and not in a good way. I wouldn't dream of trying to humiliate you by ordering you to communicate with the public through the White House press secretary only. She probably couldn't even pronounce half your words anyway. I appreciate But you do have one task for this week. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. In your appearances on the shows that nobody watches try using scripts from Dr. Atlas. He's a sharp guy. He can write the way you talk. You know, he's, he's Canadian. Did this thing go dead? I'll have to think about that, sir. For about, uh, seven to ten days. New team. New tasks. Same mission. We're gonna make Remdesivir great again. now, the world is his boardroom. The Presidentus. This week... Watching is contagious. Now, ladies and gentlemen,
1: use of the warm. Won't you? study published the geological society of america's journal gsa today compared historical atmospheric carbon data against observations of leaf specimens to quantify the relationship between rising carbon levels levels and increasingly catastrophic floods in the american midwest how are they connected stay tuned Good night, using data covering more than a few that more than two centuries, researchers demonstrated that as carbon lab- levels in the atmosphere have risen due to the to whatever the ability of plants to absorb water from the air has decreased. That means more rainfall makes its way into rivers and streams, adding to their potential for damaging floods. Why it's almost as if everything on earth is connected in some way or other other. The uh, study focused on ginkgo biloba leaf specimens. It's been a while since we heard about that plant. Representing a time span of over 260 years, the team examined the leaves stomata. Sorry about that. Excuse me. Tiny pores that deciduous plants use to take up carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. In low-carbon environments, the plants increase the density of stomata. They can do that. So they can take in enough CO2 for photosynthesis. But in carbon-rich environments, they need relatively few stomata. Variations in stomatal density, which we observe through microscopic imaging, reflect corresponding changes in atmospheric carbon over the more than two-century span, said a professor of earth science involved in the research. Stomatal density also governs the degree of transpiration. That's the process by which plants absorb water and give off water vapor. That's like them breathing. The devastation of individual floods is still related to that year's weather, but the steady rise of carbon levels is driving the average level of the Mississippi River up by two centimeters a year. I got those on me. The study also points to a need for revised planning efforts and insurance concepts in the Midwestern region. That means, I guess, more insurance companies doing funny commercials. That's the insurance concept I'm most aware of. And I mean really funny. Uh, I I miss flow, though. Along a shoreline that stretches farther than the combined length of the Atlantic and Pacific coasts, waters driven by climate change have risen as much as six feet in less than a decade, washing away houses, destroying roads, and threatening critical infrastructure, like water treatment plants. The ongoing disaster striking the coastal communities of the Great Lakes hasn't captured national attention yet, but from Duluth to Chicago to Cleveland to Buffalo, leaders, sorry, lenders are reeling from untold billions of damage in the prospect that climate change will make things worse in the years to come, according to Fizz.org. In the Great Lakes states, officials at every level along the 4,500 miles of coastline are scrambling to save what they can from the rising water competing for scarce state and federal dollars, rubber stamping permits to build private seawalls at an unprecedented pace. The scientists say the only long-term solution, of course, is to retreat from the shoreline. We're not going to do that. We're Americans. And global warming is affecting daytime and nighttime temperatures differently. Greater nighttime warming is more common than greater daytime warming worldwide, according to new research. So, go swimming at night. News of the warm. Yes, now as ever, ladies and gentlemen... It's a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And here come the apologies of the week. Right on schedule.
2: We're so sorry.
1: Officials of the city of Hayward, California, issued an apology this week for the letter from Pres- <laughs> President Trump included in about 700 boxes of food sent to needy families about a month before the election. National news stories have pointed out that uh, the Ag Department was requiring those letters be included in the boxes of charity food they were distributed as part of Hayward's weekly no contact food distribution the letter was on White House stationery included the president's signature it was also in food boxes that went to other food banks in the Bay Area Hayward officials said the language in the letter was deemed political and they apologized they said they didn't know the letter was in the box until after about 700 were distributed I guess because they don't read the papers speaking of which newspapers described as the first rough draft of history. In truth, the first rough draft written by this newspaper, the Los Angeles Times, has been woefully incomplete. I'm quoting from the LA Times editorial board on behalf of this institution. We apologize to the Times hist- for the Times history of racism. We owe it to our readers to do better. We vow to do so. A region is diverse and complex and fascinating. Southern California deserves a newspaper that reflects its community. The Times will redouble and refocus its efforts to become an inclusive and inspiring voice of California. A sentinel that... We if we're survivors of business. It will be by tapping into a digital, multicultural, multi generational audience in a way the Times has never fully done. An apology from the L.A. Times editorial board and another newspaper, I believe, co-owned by the same company. The San Diego Union-Tribune issued a similar apology this week. Dayline, Oakland, Florida, the town of Oakland is apologizing for flooding at an historic African-American cemetery over the weekend. It's sad what's going on here, said uh, a citizen who has several family members buried at the cemetery. We're heartbroken. The final resting place for many at Oakland Tildenville Cemetery flooded after nearly six inches of rainfall over the last two days. Water unearthed some of the graves. To be honest, never should have gotten to this magnitude, said another citizen. A spokesperson from the town of Oakland says the pipe could be part of the problem. There's a new drainage pipe connected to a nearby housing development. It has been plugged now. Workers from the development spent the morning pumping water out of the cemetery as family members watched. They said this will not solve the problem. The Oakland-Tildenville Cemetery is historic, home to several generations of African Americans from the community. The town said it has met with the cemetery board to apologize for the flooding. It plans to meet with the families at a later date. You know, when it's blown over. The anger, I mean. Deadline Spartanburg, South Carolina, urban renewal efforts were meant to demolish blighted areas and cities and create better housing and more opportunities in many areas. Black families and businesses were displaced and no opportunities were created. The Spartanburg City Council apologized for the failure of the redevelopment efforts. This week, City Council unanimously approved a resolution that acknowledges systematic racism and includes an apology to black residents, quote, for racial injustices and long-lasting inequities that have resulted from past city policies. In the 1970s, the city purchased a lot of land in a historic black neighborhood using urban renewal dollars from the feds. It resulted in the demolition, demolition of black-owned businesses in several black neighborhoods. Why, that didn't happen anywhere except Spartanburg, did it? Dayline South Bend, Indiana, the University of Notre Dame's president has issued an apology for not wearing a mask at a White House event after pictures surfaced online of him shaking hands and sitting shoulder-to-shoulder with powerful people without a mask. Reverend John Jenkins attended the Rose Garden ceremony for Judge Amy Coney Barrett. His letter explained he was there because Barrett is a Notre Dame alumna and law professor. He also pointed out that upon arrival, he and other guests received rapid response COVID-19 tests. Not mentioned in this story, later in the week, he uh, tested positive. COVID. But uh, in his earlier statement, I regret my error of judgment in not wearing a mask during the ceremony and by shaking hands with a number of people. i failed to lead by example at a time when I've asked everyone else in the Notre Dame community to do so. And now, of course, he's uh, an assistant professor of karma. And finally, Boris Johnson. He's the Prime Minister of Great Britain, ladies and gentlemen. It's a country that... uh, we revolted against, and we're still revolting. Boris Johnson apologized after wrongly explaining his own government's coronavirus restrictions. This is a gaffe that will fuel growing growing, <laughs> growing criticism of his response to the pandemic. So it's not just our country where leaders are confusing. Apologies, I misspoke today. That's not him. Apologies, I misspoke today, the U.K. Prime Minister said on Twitter. It was the third time in three hours that government spokespeople had failed to be clear on the new rules being introduced midnight Tuesday to combat the resurgence of the disease in northeast England. The uh, the error over where and when people can socialize is likely to encourage a revolt by his conservative colleagues in the parliament. They are already unhappy that the ministers of the government have imposed restrictions and new criminal offenses without debate in Parliament first. Didn't Parliament make the laws? Earlier on this week, Skills Minister Gillian Keegan admitted she did not know the answer during a radio interview, and Boris Johnson's spokesman, James Slack, told reporters on a call that details would be set out later. When the premier himself was asked whether people in the Northeast could socialize with other households, he suggested that they could in groups of no more than six, the rule of six. Later, he tweeted, Apologies, I misspoke today. In the Northeast, new rules mean you cannot meet people from different households in social settings, indoors, including in pubs, restaurants, and your home. You should also avoid socializing with other households outside. Prime Minister's mistake could hardly have come at a more sensitive moment. He's pacing this rebellion from within his own party over virus restrictions. And the fact he could explain the rules himself, or couldn't, will probably boost his opponents. This COVID thing, ladies and gentlemen, it's big. It's a happening thing. Apologies of the weak, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. (laughs) ladies and gentlemen that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show program returns next week at the same time over these same radio stations call your neighborhood neuroradiologist and tell them to tune in or at a time of your choosing on your audio device of choice and it'd be just like a miracle and this all blows over by uh, halloween if you'd agree to join him with me then, would you? Already, thank you very much. Uh huh. And remember, no time card fraud, please. show comes to you from Century Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO, New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer and the email address for this program. Your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts and the music playlist all at harryshearer.com. Tip of the show, Chapeau to the San Diego desk, Pam Halstead and Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans. So long from the Crescent City.